Get on with it, Mac. I will, Dickie. Good morning and welcome to the program. This morning, as usual, I just listen, the, the calls just come and go. We had Kevin, who was south of Dobby, he's heading to Western Australia. David Hebel is, is taking his son driving. He's from Victoria and he's up in Hebel in Queensland. He's taking his son driving to get his hours up because you get a, have to get a certain number of hours before you can get your licence. Fred was a flight attendant. Thank you, Kel. How are you? Kel, my tea went cold. It's unusual, isn't it? I have coffee and tea in the morning and just go, I just have a few sips and then I get waylaid and that's what happens. Fred's a flight attendant. He's heading to South Africa today. He loves getting up on Sunday morning. He loves leaving on Sunday morning. He said it's great and different life. He's he's never on the ground, if you know what I mean. Charmaine's off the Adelaide show, which is on. Um, Barry was in Tumut. He saw Brumbies down there. He's got his five-year-old uh, with him in the car, and uh, they just saw lovely snow, lots of snow around the place. Um, Bryony was in Alabama. Um his house sitting. Oh, people from all over the place. Forty-five frosts in a row in Bega. Uh, Bruce has. Um, Michael's at Mount Bogong, heading to the snow. I'd love to go to Falls Creek. I'd love to go to Falls. How can we arrange that, Kel? Love to do it in the foyer of a little place there and talk to people who are going snow, uh, you know, skiing or just going down there. There's something wonderful, isn't there, about going and seeing the snow? Billy's got to give away his chooks, all sorts of things. And our while ever I live, which was just on before the news. One of our correspondents uh, sent me a lovely, uh, a lovely little while ever I live. But also, she sent me a photo of David Letterman, um, and his last show. And I so miss the Letterman show. I miss him. He was uh, crazy, but he was refined, sensible, and um, a great interviewer. The perfect interviewer, really. And, you know, when somebody came in with a book, you know, he didn't talk about their book, which is, you know, that's the deal. They just talk about life and say, oh, by the way, you've got a book out. Tell me about the name of your book. Thank you and goodbye. Um, He was just lovely and just wasn't – his replacement, of course, is all over him, all over his guests like a cheap suit because it's all about him. The show is all about him and, of course, he's not making it. So if you make the show all about you and you're not making it, it's gone. there's lots of things in life that you miss and they're irreplaceable. People say, oh, no one's irreplaceable. That's nonsense. Most people in your life are irreplaceable because they're special and lovely. Letterman was just one of those in my life. Um, but uh, you can sometimes catch him on – you can go you can go and look on uh, online and there's bits and pieces on YouTube of Dave and some of his funny guests and – Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, um, and this was, that was sent in by Del. Del sent me the photo and she said, um, as she listens, and um, she said, um, I'm sending you this photo of David Letterman. I think it was his last night on the show. This photo was taken. I loved it. I heard you talking about him one morning. I always stayed up late to it. I did too. Um, with the sound down on Channel 10, um, with the sound down, and as soon as I saw Dave, I'd come in and turn the sound up. Press the take the take it off mute and watch Letterman, but he's not there anymore. Um, Del, thank you. It's a lovely, lovely memory. I'll put that up in my office, as Kel said. Go and put it up in the office and to inspire you now and again because he was such a good interview. He's so good. I'd love to come to one of your Christmas concerts at, at Richmond School of Arts, says Del. Del, we're usually there every Christmas. I'd love to see you there. Love to see you there. Love to talk to you. We've got a pile of emails coming in. Um, these are from recent times. 
Oh, and this is from uh, um, a text. Good morning, Macca. Thank you for another great program. You spoke of stonemasonry around the mainland, but left out Tasmania. The building and bridges in areas like Richmond are superb, says Tony Scullin. Yeah, Tony, I sort of did, but I didn't. But I, it was just that I was. Uh, he was from South Australia and we were in Queensland, and I note that in... Um, in Tassie, Tassie's got lots of lovely stone buildings, but Victoria too, and and uh, and South Australia especially. I mean, there's stone buildings everywhere, but uh, you you notice them in places like that. I've been over those lovely bridges in Ross and places like that, Tony. Thank you, Macker. I see plastic bags near a stormwater drain. If I do, I try to pick it up. Not many connect stormwater drains with our marine life. Not that it's been raining, says Lynn. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Lenny. Um, Dorb says, Dorb says, last week you spoke about Wattle Day. This is from our uh, paper, the Gisborne Gazette in Victoria's Macedons. Did you know that Wattle Day originated in Gisborne? In 1912, Blanche Ross Watt, hyphenated Ross Watt, daughter of early settler Thomas Ferrier Hamilton, took her daughter Betty to several Melbourne suburbs where they sold sprigs of wattle collected in the Gisborne district. On a previous trip, to Germany, Mrs. Ross Watt had noticed the success of Margarita Day where funds were raised for children's charities. As the Ross Watt family had donated land in Station Road, New Gisborne for community use, the £3,000 collected from Wattle sales went towards construction of the Ross Watt Children's Hall. That's from the paper dated 2017. Thank you, Dorb. Cecily says, Dear Ian, could you please give me the name of your weather book? There are so many around. It's a, it's a puzzle, and your snippets are so interesting. Um, uh, Ian, also, though a listener to you for, I'm sure, 30 years, my son rang you from Minnesota in the early 80s. I am 89 now. love my iPad and computer. Not everyone is on Facebook, so could I have your recipe for On the Track Slice? Well, it's on Facebook. It's easy to get to Facebook, isn't it, Kel? Isn't it easy to find Facebook? If, if Cecily is online, well, she can get on Facebook, can't she? Just easy, easy peasy. And the recipe for on the track, up the track it's called, Cecily, is on uh, is on the website and it's on my little Facebook too, which is Macca's Australia and it's on the ABC Australia All Over website, uh, Facebook page too. And there's lots of lovely stuff on both of those um, and there'll be some more stuff today. Um, it's nice to connect. Like uh, Mark, Mark's on uh, Facebook, he says... Um, and he sent a lovely photo of him and his truck parked by the wattle by the roadside. You know that little line in our, in our song? There's a truckie easing back the throttle to tell Australia about the wattle that forms a golden carpet by the roadside. Mark says, The copious amounts of Australians' floral emblem in sight to behold is a sight to behold for truckies and alike in places along the Hume uh, while listening to Macron Sunday morning. Love my Sundays. Wonder if I'll have an up-the-track slice waiting for me when I get home. Uh, says Mark Thompson. Good on you, Marky. I hope you do, mate. Um, and Rob says, I live in Traugan. I'm a Vietnam vet. Legacy have a badge appeal week every year to raise funds for the family of deceased ex-service personnel. Here in Traugan, Legacy has been fortunate to have the local Air Force Cadet Unit, and now 426 Squadron, assist us with badge sales. Cad- cadets and staff take pride in the uniform, present themselves accordingly. The public welcome them freely to buy from cadets during the appeal. Unfortunately, this activity has come to an end as the cadets have been ordered by central headquarters not to wear their uniforms in public for fear of a terrorist attack. God help me. This is a great disappointment for all concerned. We lose again because we as a nation are not prepared to defend our rights and proud traditions. Tradition, says Rob. Good morning, Macca, is it? Yep. Oh, is that a, did you, 
Yeah, it's uh, Fred. Uh, Fred, I'm just uh, ringing up. I'm just coming down from the south coast, going up to Sydney. Right, south coast and, uh, of New South Wales. Yep. Yeah, I just think it's so fascinating. Everyone around Australia doing their thing on an early Sunday morning. Yeah, it's, and, it's a different morning of the week, isn't it? Sunday morning. Um, people are still off to work, but it's uh, it's a little less hectic, uh, Fred, which is uh, which well, is nice. Exactly. That's why I'm enjoying my uh, drive up to Sydney. Uh, I'm a flight attendant with uh, International Airline Qantas, and I'm just about to fly uh, to South Africa. So this is my work day starting now. As uh, people, I'll probably often say to you, Fred, you get around. Yeah, I do get around. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the hard part is just living the family at home for four days, but uh, part of work, and uh, I love going on a Sunday. It's great. There's no no traffic on the road. And at this time of the morning, it's beautiful to see the sunrise. Yeah, it's a different it's a different morning, uh, Fred. Sunday morning because I've been doing this for a little while, and um, you just get the feel for it. Sunday morning's nice, and uh, we're not as in much of a hurry as uh, we normally are during the week, which is which is nice, Fred. So, Fred, uh, you go all over, do you, or just uh, you mostly on the South African run, or what? No, no. Last week I was in China. Uh, next week I'm in South America. Wow! And you enjoy that, obviously. I love it. I love it. It's a great airline to work for, uh, great people to work with, and uh, it's, like, as I say, it's the spirit of Australia, and uh, you work with a lot of good Aussie uh, uh, girls and guys. It's awesome. And how long have you been doing it, Fred? Uh, 20-odd years. Wow. And you still love it? I still love it. I still get passionate when I go to work, and uh, I'm more passionate coming home, obviously, because of my kids, uh, seeing them and uh, my wife, but... Uh, I'm very passionate about the job. I love it. I love to have to help people and give the true Aussie spirit on the plane. Good on you, Fred. It was. Uh, I spoke to a. Uh, there was a pilot. Actually, I think it was your pilot. Um, he was a pilot. He was on holidays. This was uh, six months ago. Yep. And uh, and he said um, he was on holidays with his kids, the family. I think for three weeks. He had three weeks off, and he was a pilot. But he said, "Yes, I've got a chance to." Um, see how the other half live. You don't really see how the other half live, do you? You're always in the air. or Often you're in the air, Fred. Yeah, it's exactly. And uh, it's hard for people to comprehend how we live, uh, our, our sleeping pattern, our eating pattern, and obviously the jet lag that affects us. But it's, uh, it's something that you, um, you adapt to, and, um, and if it's a great job, uh, you last like I have. Yeah, well, good luck, Fred. I'll bump into you sometime. Whereabouts do you live on the south coast? I'm in uh, Huskisson. All oh, right, what a lovely spot. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. Thanks, Macca. Nice to talk to you, Fred. Thank you. Bye. See you. Bye. Today, this is Macca. Uh, good morning, Macca. It's Michael. Hi, Michael. Um, I'm driving from Albury to Falls Creek, and um, the, the outdoor uh, adventurer prompted me to give you a call. I'm just passing Mount Bogong. Oh, right. Well, yeah, Ashley was just talking, not Ashley, um, uh, Bushy was talking about the, the mountains down, uh, yeah, down in the snow in the Alps and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, lovely stuff. So I'm driving up the Kewa Valley Highway and the, the, uh, the mountains are uh, bathed in sunshine and the sun's just popped its head over Mount Bogon and looking forward to a, a great day up in Falls Creek. Oh, what a sight. I'd love to. I went to Falls Creek years ago. You know, I'm not a skier, but I just. Uh, we happened to turn up in Falls Creek, left the car there overnight and stayed there. And then next morning I got up and the car was covered in snow. I'd never seen sausage. I know, as my grandpa would say, I never sausage a thing. Um, it was just fantastic. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it was about four weeks ago when the first blizzard hit for four days, I was up there and I spent most of the day morning digging my car out. 
There's about 15, well, there's a fair bit of snow over it, yeah. It was, um, it's been fairly, uh, fairly tough conditions up there, but today's going to be absolutely sensational. Well, there's been a lot of snow, hasn't there, this, uh, this season? And uh, as you just heard, uh, you, I don't know if you heard... Bruce say he's had a very cold winter in Bega, 45 straight frosts. Uh, but the oh, days, have, days have been beautiful. Yeah, well, hello, rest of Australia, and I'm going to enjoy today, that's for sure. Good on you, Michael. Great to talk, mate. Well, I appreciate taking the call. Uh, first, time, first time caller, too. And it didn't hurt, Michael, at all, did it? Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, it was painless. So you're a, bit of, you're a bit of a skier, are you, Michael? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fairly keen skier. Um, I do a bit of volunteer work up at Falls Creek as well, which is uh, always rewarding. So, yeah, I enjoy it. It's been good. We'd l- I'd love to come down the snow and do it. As I said before, I'd love to go down while there's still snow around and talk to people who go, because everybody goes skiing, Michael. It seems everybody's attracted. They just want to go and see the snow. It's quite, uh, in the country we live in, which is uh, droughts and flooding rains, to see snow is a is a bit of an epiphany for most of us, isn't it? Uh, it is, and I find it unbelievable sometimes when you talk to people from small towns and they say, oh, I've never been to Sydney or I've never been to Melbourne, and you just find it amazing that a lot of people are uh, restricted as to where they can go for holidays, so we're very fortunate for the ones that can get around. Good on you, Mike. Okay, See? and uh, make sure you come up to Falls Creek sometime. I'm I'll, sure, I'll keep I'm in sure touch. Will, I'm sure everybody will look after you. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Bye. Hello, Maga. Shane Hogan here. Hi, Shane. Hey, mate. Um, I was trying to catch up to you when you were up in Queensland there a little while ago. Um, I'm from Ipswich. Um, I wrote a song years ago called Underground Miner that you gave airplay to. Oh, there, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you, you tried to catch up to me. Or so I heard through the grapevine when you were up at the, the RNA show, the, the Ecker up here many years ago, that I was away working in construction. I, I still I still do that. But I still songwrite and still travel around a bit. So, mate, I just wanted to say thank you for that. I, on the subject you were just talking about, then you know, like past heroes, some of the unsung heroes of the coal mines and everything. I've sang at a lot of those memorials over the years, where giving a lot of those singles away for people that write me and say their dads are passing away with lung disease and things. You know, yeah. And it was only because. You picked it up and played it, mate, because it wasn't anything commercial. So, thanks, mate. Well, that's a that's a pleasure. There's a lot of blokes involved in mining, and not just coal mining, but all sorts of mining and underground. I've been underground a couple of times. That's I find it really scary. I went down a mine in Coolgardie, for God's sake, and we went down this steep incline, and the roar, and it got louder, and it got colder, and then it got warmer, and yeah. So I take my hat off to him, mate. Oh, same here, Macca. Right. Many years ago, there was a sit-down up here in, in Ipswich Underground Mines, and I wrote another song for those guys in support, because I had mates down there working there, you know, and uh, anyhow, they took me down. That, that was a, that was a gimme, you know. Come on down, Jane, well, you can sing to the boys, and oh, my God, I couldn't wait to get out of the place. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's a bit like working in a submarine. You get used to it. I suppose, Well, I suppose you do. No, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> the confined space... I've worked on high-rise construction most of my life, and some people say, oh, how can you work up so high? Well, it's fresh air, and I can see everything around me, you know. <laughs> so, Shane, you, 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 you do a bit of working in the mining industry, and you, and you do a bit of singing-songwriting, do you? 
I still can sing and songwrite much here. I've, I've got six daughters. So my eldest girl's got her own band up here in Queensland. She just played at the Big Sound. She's a songwriter out of that band. And, right. Uh, one of my other girls. We did a family show here at, in Ipswich last year, and um, it was really good. A lot of people turned up, so I got to trot some of my old songs out, and the girls played some of theirs. It's just a lovely thing to have in your life, isn't it? I'll say it's nice to play music with friends. It's uh, it's the best thing, I reckon. Oh, for sure. Sing us. A, you want to sing us a spasm? Because I haven't got your song. It's back in my office. Um, sing us a verse. Can you sing us a verse? Is that too much? <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, just getting. I don't have any now. Crack it. Even goes. Uh, uh, I'm an underground miner, deeper down, deeper down. I'm an underground miner, deeper down. Yes, I mine the dark skin gold, and it's dangerous, I'm told. But me mates will pay for all when I'm cold, when I'm cold. Oh, me mates will pay for all when I am cold. Sorry about that. Shane, that's fantastic, mate. It's lovely. Do you, listen, do you go to Tamworth? Oh, I haven't been for a couple of years, but yeah, I was I was in the scene down there. I, I adjusted some of my writing to Sydney. I had a, oh, you know, they say a hit single. I had a hit single called uh, Son of a Drover that sort of kicked me off in that. But I haven't been down there for a couple of years now, mate. But... Well, if you're going down next year, next January, and, and I think I'm going down there, so um, if I'm going to go there, so uh, we'll catch up and I'll do a concert there. So you come along and sing a song if, if you're down if you're down there, Shane. Love to love to meet you, mate. Oh, thanks very much, Megan. That might just get me off my backside and get me there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll keep in touch, Shane. And thanks for singing your song. I'll go and find it sometime and play it next week. Good on you, buddy. Thanks. See you. Now. See ya. My guest this morning used to read the news right here on Australia All Over for a long time. She was one of the best. She's since departed and doing all sorts of other things. But uh, at the moment, she's the program leader at uh, Afters. If you know what Afters is, it's the Australian Film, Television and Radio School. Her name's Lisa Sweeney and she's my guest this morning. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Maker. I saw you yesterday at the um, or the other day at... Uh, Friday, Ozpod. That's it. What, and what's Ozpod about for all us technically minded people? Um, well, that's short for Australian podcasting. Mm. So uh, podcasting is a new form of audio, which is uh, really taking off. The ABC has been in, in podcasting for years with mm. time-shifted listening, but now there's a, there's a bigger emphasis on making programs for podcast first rather than just for radio. Really? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, it's not, it's not uh, anywhere bigger than radio or supplanting radio no. or replacing it, but it's, uh, it's another form of audio which just goes to show how great audio and radio is and it's not not a dying craft by any stretch of the imagination no it's amazing isn't it the people that listen here i know and they're listening all over the world especially when they're over the world i was looking at uh, you know online the other day and i was looking at uh, at our podcast and and uh, on facebook and they're really nice they're great ways to contact people mm. but there's not the immediacy you know i mean that's the word that you always used about radio it's not yeah. It's just now, you know, it's That's now. Right. And when people ring up, you know, this bloke, oh, hello, Macker, I'm on a horse, I'm on Mount Bogong here and you can hear the snow. And 
you can't beat that. I no, mean, you can't. It's just... And 95% of Australians are still listening to the radio every week, yeah. which is phenomenal. You know, when you compare it to, to the numbers of people watching television, dwindling, newspapers and magazines, really struggling to make a living. Radio, in our context here at the ABC, with the, uh, the publicly funded radio, still very strong in terms of listeners and still a very vital form of communication. Um, but in the commercial world, it's still a viable business model. Mm. Radio is still making money. So commercial radio across the country, and there's hundreds of stations across the country, are still making a really good living. So that mean, must mean there's, there must be jobs around in radio. Yeah, yeah there is. There, there's lots and lots of jobs. It's, um, and you train them, don't you? We at, do. At AFTERS. Uh, yeah, just, just by a little bit of background. AFTERS, the Australian Film, Television, Radio School, has been around since the 70s, started as, as film and television only, uh, and was brought in at that stage by the federal government to revive the Australian film industry, and it did a, uh, an amazing job of that. You know, AFTERS graduates win Oscars. They, they um, you know, at the forefront of the Australian in film industry, very famous names like you know Jane Campion, Gillian Armstrong, Peter Weir, etc., etc., um, and many modern filmmakers are doing very well. But in radio terms, we came in ten years later, and and that was as a demand for the radio industry because it's such a hungry beast, and mm. there are so many jobs. Um, those jobs have changed over the years. And of course, our courses have changed to reflect that over the years. So we, we we're training people to be industry ready for what the industry looks like today. The thing about it, though, Maka, that is so important, I think, that um, that can't ever be underestimated, and I think it's the reason why radio is always going to survive and thrive, is that it's such an important personal connection mm. uh, in communities. So not just in big cities, but in, in regional areas in particular, it's so important to be able to connect with your local community to give them the local information. And that's why the federal government legislates that there must be local programs in every radio station across the country. They have to have a local breakfast program and they have to have a local news service in every radio station. So that's where the jobs are. Great jobs. And the opportunity for people to stay in their communities. They don't need to go to the big city to have a career in radio. They can stay in their local communities. And time was uh, when you used to hear about radio and you say, oh, you've got to go to the bush and you go to a, a radio station, a small commercial, and they'd say, oh, I used to sweep the thing out and I did this and then I sold um, ads and then I did this and, yeah. then I, and then I ended up on air and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great grounding, isn't it? And not only that you're in a local community and you're really a part of it because I heard a bloke, uh, I forget his, uh, Mitchell. Um, uh, yeah, um, no. I forgot his first, yeah, yeah. first name, but, uh, but he's a buyer and he said, uh, look, uh, I look at the net, um, I was listening to him on, I think it was on GB, and um, he said, I look at the net and he said, uh, but he said, it seems to me still the best way to do an advertising uh, campaign is still on television and still on radio, things that have been around a long time. Yeah. Well, the statistics for radio is that if you're, if you're listening to the radio and you hear a product advertised, there's two things about it. Firstly, you always trust and connect with the, the radio program and the radio station you're listening to. Mm. So if, if there's a brand that's being advertised on your station – you're, there's a high level of trust for you and thinking that product must be okay because my radio station's talking about it. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that in terms of while we're multitasking all the time now, if you're listening to the radio and you hear an ad, you're actually five times more likely to go and look for that product as a result of hearing it on the radio than you would be if you saw it on television or read it somewhere. Uh, it's, it's A, it's that background listening where you go, oh, that's interesting. I might see if I can get one of those. 
or and also because you you trust the brand that you're that you're hearing about it from. I'm talking to Lisa Sweeney. She's the uh, program leader at Afters. So. Um Kids come from all over to go to the film and television school, do they, Liz? Yeah, they do. We're, we're the national school, so we're the Australian federal government-funded tertiary institution mm. for uh, film, television and radio. Um, so within the national school, we have a national remit. Um, people come to study with us from all over the country. And not just kids either, Maca. A lot of people come to us as a second career. Uh, they they're already got an undergraduate degree in something. They're working not really finding the satisfying work they want. They connect with, with radio and they, and they come to us in their mid-20s, early 30s, mid-40s um, mm. and, and wow. make a career change. The other aspect to it too is there's so much community radio around the country yes. and there's 25,000 people volunteering in community radio. <sighs> wow. um, again, serving communities so well. And so lots of people who are doing a part-time gig at their community radio station unpaid and doing a job all week that they hate Thing. Oh, hang on a sec. Maybe I can turn this around. I can, I can actually go and do the job that I love when I'm. I've just got this one hour on Saturday morning that I'm volunteering for and I'm living for. Let's turn it around, do some study, and actually go and do that full time. That's uh, there's a um, an employment tip for you. Uh, radio's still alive and well and kicking because I, I always tell people that because um, I started doing agriculture when I was at uni and um, went in other directions. But mm. there's great career opportunities in agriculture, food, everybody's got to eat and around the world you can see so many people need to be fed. And mm. here's another one. Absolutely. And uh, just uh, you don't need to come to Sydney to study. We have a lot of online courses as well. Mm. So just a little plug if I can, mm. AFTRS, afters, afters.edu.au. Have a look. Uh, and if you want to give me a yell, my telephone number's there on the website. Just uh, give, me a, uh, give me a call and I'm happy to talk you through the kind of career options and the study options that you have. Lisa Sweeney's been my guest, and Lisa is up early this morning. She usually sleeps in or has a big night on Saturday night. <laughs> but let's tell people quickly, what are you doing this morning? You're doing a course. Uh, yeah, I'm studying a Master's of Education my at God. UTS and um, loving it. Uh, it's an adult adult education course. Yeah. Um, so, yep, that's what I'm doing, spending my weekends doing, <laughs> leading to my PhD. Lisa, great to see you. Come in and read the news anytime. I will. <laughs> Pleasure. From the time I was a small boy at primary school, right through high school and even when I went to uni, when I'd come home in the afternoon, I'd find my grandfather, Selwyn, alone in the backyard, chipping away at sandstone. He was a stonemason, of course, and he uh, was building things for his daughter, my mum, stone walls, paving, paths, barbecues, all sorts of things. And he just did that for years and years and years. He'd order sandstone from the Gosford quarries and, it, and sometimes I'd arrive home and there'd be a huge pile of, you know, five tonnes of sandstone on the footpath and we'd have to lift it up and put it in barrows or split it up out there with his hammers and chisels, take it up the back where he was building, chip, chip, chipping away. That's what he was doing all his life. And uh, so whenever I travel, which I do a bit, I look at stone work and buildings made of stone all around Australia, especially in Victoria and South Australia, where it seems to be the home of that sort of thing. It's just lovely stuff. And, and I used to play with his chisels and do some cementing with him. And it was just part of, you know, it's like what, however you grow up, that was part of my growing up period. So I was most interested when we met Laurie Grek and his wife Bernadette when we were up at Blackhall. Laurie's a stonemason. It's in his DNA and he's still doing it. I spoke after the program with Laurie and his wife Bernadette. The early settlers only had stone to work with. There was no brick, there was no cement, only lime. Limestone and lime. Lime was used in the mortar. So 
that's all I had. And they did a bloody good job with it too. It's a hard job for a bloke who's not young anymore. Yeah, I'm 73 years of age. The police can't get me. I don't have fingerprints. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's From good. lifting up but stone we love it. Yeah, No, from wearing them, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, we love it. We have a passion for it. Yeah. But most of the work now is repairing stone, not building stone. So there's a lot of salt damp affected buildings, heritage buildings, churches, grandstands, walls, as you notice, and we repair them. That's where the work is. And you enjoy it? We have a passion for it. And you could not do it unless you had a passion for it. It's too hard. There are kids now that just don't want to do it. Too hard. Because I know a lot of craftsmen came out of Italy, uh, you know, in the 50s and 60s, came to Australia, and they do a lot of that uh, stonemason work, don't they? Yes, they, they did. But a lot of them sort of went into farming or, you know, mainly horticulture. I'm Maltese, and I'm proud of it. Dad was a Ratatabrook in the British Navy. I learned it from my dad. We went farming, didn't go too good on um, broadacre farming, so we were one of the first in South Australia to feed lambs. We did up to 12,000 lambs at a time and a few cattle, and yeah, that was very productive. Now the technology's out and lots of farmers can feed a lot of lambs. And it's a good way of producing a consistent product, and that's what it's all about. That's what the butchers want. But there's nothing like a lovely stone building or a stone wall or whatever. Oh, mate. Oh, mate, we live in a church, an old Baptist church, built in 1875. I showed you a photo of it. It's out of natural stone laying on the ground. No no chipping or chopping or anything. Just. But as I said before, that the corners are made out of sandstone. They had to be perfect corners. So they did chip them away with comb hammers and tomahawks to make them square but in between all that is just flat paddock stone 140 years old and still standing your wife bernadette how are you bernadette very good thank you you look on with amusement do you when he's scratching away with scratching away with his hammers and chisels no i don't look on with amusement i you can use a jackhammer I can make concrete mixes. I get all of his tools ready. I've told him at 71 I think I should be retired, but mm. um, I enjoy it too much to mm. sit back and I couldn't stand to be sitting around watching TV all day. Great sense of achievement when you sit back and look at something you've mm. made out of stone and it lasts. Oh, no, it is really, really, really lovely. And people appreciate it. And I think another thing too, sort of in doing this work, we have made so many friends, um, met so many people. It's just a self-satisfaction. But it's like you said earlier in the program, Macca, you need to have a passion for what you're doing, but also you, you need to feel like you're doing something for the community, for yourself, for the country. Making a difference. Making a difference, that's the word. However small it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And we just love it. Can I just say one thing? I think he needs to retire because he needs to start doing repairs to our own place. <laughs> but I think that's the man thing. They don't like doing any work around home. <laughs> it's like that time, Mackie, you interviewed a, a painter who was walking around Australia. You probably remember this. And you said, at your age of 82, mate, why would you want to walk around Australia? You know what he said? My wife asked me to paint the house. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what I need to do to get rid of him for a while. <laughs> it's Bernadette. Yes. And Laurie. Laurie. Lovely to meet you both. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you in... Uh, uh, where are you now? Kabowie. Kabowie. Remember that word? It means wild waterfowl. I'll mention Kabowie sometime. Good oh, on you. Oh, we'd love to see you there, Megan. Right. I'll pay you to get there. Right. <laughs> Thank on. you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. G'day, this is Macca. Uh, this is Gary here. Gary Parsons, Macca. Yes, Gary. Um, 
I just rang through this morning to talk about a walk I'm doing for um, uh, Kids of Gold, um, doing a or attempting a walk from Sydney to Melbourne. Um, started off at Bankstown Primary on Monday and aiming to finish up at Parliament House in Melbourne on uh, Friday the 6th of uh, October. Gaz, tell us the story. Um, why did you start at Bankstown Primary? Bankstown is where I was born. Right. So uh, I went back there and into the school. I am a teacher, so um, I helped. And what's the and, walk? Uh, you, what's the walk you're doing for? What's it called? Uh, the walk is, is is a walk for sponsoring kids for kids of gold. Um, what's that? Now that's for helping kids in grades four, five, and six, helping them build self-esteem and confidence. Um, and uh, and, and that... most of the kids who come to it are, are uh, well, all of them are sponsored to some degree, but some are sponsored highly. And and why why four, five, and six, and why are they sponsored? Tell me about these kids. Are they special kids, or are they kids that have no parents, or some parents, or what's the story? Well, I used to work in camps for many years, and I came back into the teaching system. And when I came back in, I I couldn't help noticing because I was working as a relief teacher in schools, and I was going around to many different schools, and I couldn't help noticing the lack of the lack of uh, confidence, lack of self-esteem that kids had. And I talked to the principals of the schools I was working in and said, would you give us some backing to, to start up a camp? I said, I've had a lot of camping experience. They said, yeah, we think that's a great idea. So the camp was born out of that back in 2003, and it's been going ever since. And uh, But the kind of kids that come, um, some, of them, some of them you wouldn't think they'd need to come, but what, when we, we find they get there, we find they're... They're very lacking, and um, uh, the kind of things they we often get autistic kids and on the autism spectrum. Uh, but probably the big one would be bullying, um, not being able to socialise at school, not being able to be accept, feel accepted, not being able to make friends. All the basic things that kids you'd expect kids could do, but they they struggle a lot more with it than I ever dreamt of. Yeah, I, I hear that too, and and I suppose I always, you know, looking back on it, the playground's the great um, leveller, isn't it? That's where you learn about kids and nasty kids and nice kids and <clears throat> good kids and bad kids and um, all that sort of thing. Uh, but but I suppose uh, we were boys, so in the playground you usually had a fight, you you know, or pushed people around, and that was the end of it. But you don't do that. But I'm I'm talking about forty years ago in in you know in the playground and stuff. Those sort of things happened, and and yes. you, and you, I suppose you just learnt to avoid kids that you didn't like who were, who are going to. I suppose that's part of life. But but it, it's all different now, isn't it? And you know, I haven't been in the playground for a long time. So well, I mean, one of the big things I found, Mac, when I went back into the schools, although I'd been working with kids for a long time, in the schools I realised that kids struggle a lot more than I, I would have would have thought. It was like meeting them at the coalface. Mm. And uh, and just, for example, uh, what do you do when you lose a friend, when someone, um, how do you restore your friendship? How do you how do you get the friend back? And I often spend a lot of my time helping the kids make friends again. And they said, they said oh, we're so appreciative of the help you gave us. So, you know, we wouldn't have become friends again. And I said, well, you, you teach someone else how to do it then. So that's a lot of the basis, and valuing yourself too. That's well, it's, it's putting a value on you. Yeah, you know? it's very important. That's what uh, Doctor Ross said that morning, didn't he, Kel? 
He said, "Start having a bit of self uh, appreciation, and don't worry about where you are in the uh, in the uh, you know in the money stakes or anything like that." Um, he was talking about adults, but I suppose it applies to kids too. We get uh, we don't get uh, yeah. You you got to see. We learnt the price of everything and the value of nothing. Um, I suppose that's yeah. That's one well, of the things. Well, it starts with our kids, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that's why we call it kids of gold because the gold represents something of value and preciousness. Gaz, you're on the highway, I, I assume, this morning. I can hear this. Is, oh, yes, yes. Is, is it getting a bit too loud, is it? No, 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 it's fine. It, this is the highway, not the motorway. You're not on the on the freeway. You're on the highway. Is that right, the Princess Highway? This is the Princess Highway, yeah. And you're, yeah. Heading, and you're heading to Melbourne. Why Melbourne? Why not Brisbane or why not Perth? <laughs> Perth's, Perth's a bit uh, far. Melbourne's where I live. Yeah. Uh, because I was born in Bankstown, um, I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back home again. Yeah. And um, and I'd love to see a camp start up in Sydney as well as the one in Melbourne. Well, so there are lots of reasons for doing that. Uh, some of them were personal reasons, I guess, because of my birthplace. And I took a, a whole bunch of kids up to where I was born and where my grandpa's house, and we saw that and was was good good fun doing that. But they all wanted to know all about what the walk was about and what we were trying to do. And and um, so are you on, are you on your own or are you? Are you- and there's a team of three of us. Yeah. We've got a, a, a driver with his caravan, and um, um, and then the other walker who's walking with me, he's he's recuperating at the moment. Uh, we had our annex blown off and blown away. We had spent two days fixing that. Oh, there's uh, been a bit of wind around, hasn't there? Oh, yes. Yes, we didn't know about these winds on the Pacific coast. No. But uh, we soon found out about them. All right, Gaz. Well, look, keep, you keep in touch, okay? You keep in touch. Let us know who you meet on the road and um, and how it's all going. And yeah, uh, I met one of your fans yesterday outside Berry. Oh, did you? And uh, he was working on the roads, and he said, if "You rung Macau." I said, "Oh, that'd be a great idea." He said, "If you don't," he said, "I will." <laughs> So. <laughs> All right. Well, you keep in okay. touch. You keep in touch, Gaz, and look after yourself, okay? I'll let you know how we're going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And good luck. Thank you very much. See you, All mate. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.